Hello and welcome to this month of Motorsport 2021 March edition. Hi, I'm Sean Smith. I'm joined by Sam Green. Hello. Uh, who's next? Al. Hi. Monty. Hello. And Cree. Cree. Hello. Right, chats. March has actually been a somewhat quiet month, but uh, I'm going to open the floor to what you want to talk about first. Well, it's not quiet, it's just that everything's starting up again. Yeah, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we had the Sebring 12-hour. Yeah, let's, we can start there. Let's start there. So, following the Daytona yeah, 24 the... hours, um, IMSA has then gone over to Sebring. Discuss. One, because I didn't watch the race. <laughs> I say I didn't watch It's a 12-hour race, not going to lie. It's not... Something it I was the, the JDC Mustang sampling uh, Cadillac 1 DPI. Um, Which was kind of impressive considering they got spun round quite early in the race. Yes, mm. I did see that actually. It was quite a big shunt and they managed to get themselves sorted out. Second oh, was the Mazda. Which, if anything, is more of a miracle because I don't think I've actually seen before this year any races where the Mazda has finished <laughs> and is now finished on the podium twice. Yeah, I oh, say it's quite a lot of time. Sorry, Sam. Was that the most you said was like three laps down and then gained two laps by the end or something? In uh, at um, oh, was that Daytona. Daytona. Yeah, oh, was Daytona. yeah, same car though. Yes, same car. Same. Yeah, and we had an upset in GTLM because we had a a privateer <clears> car winning, and I say that in somewhat loose terms. So the GTLM class in IMSA is not healthy right now we have two corvette entries along for the whole season we've got two bmw entries along for the endurance races only you've got the weathertech porsche i think in for the entire season and then you've got giuseppe Ricci in whenever he can be bothered to stop moaning about the bop and actually put a car on the grid instead of writing that he's upset um Giuseppe Ricci annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what we had towards the end of the race was the Porsche in third, the Corvette leading and the BMW in second with a very close race. And then Conor Di Felipe punted the Corvette off the track. Yes. And I mean, not to the Porsche, the WeatherTech racing <laughs> no, no, Porsche. Out, out and crash, that. <laughs> Sorry, Al. I the BMW. <laughs> I don't think either of them came off better, really, did they? Actually, well, the, the BMW came off better, yeah, because what happened is Di Felipe, Conor Di Felipe, ah, I can't pronounce his De name Filippi. right now. Anyway, he punted the Corvette. The Corvette spun because the Corvette was hit on the rear suspension, on the rear wheel by the BMW. Mm. The Corvette came in. To check for damage because I mean when you've got an incident like that it makes sense because otherwise sod's law if you didn't come in and check it something was going to break and you were going to be a DNF the BMW kept going did get a drive through for causing an avoidable collision but because they were both far enough ahead of the next BMW the 25 still finished second. The Corvette, where it pitted, went down behind both of the BMWs. 
which was honestly a great game for because it was a really clumsy move on the part of the BMW, and it was just yeah, it was desperate. I'm, yeah, it was desperate, and the fact I think you saw it as well, Monty, and we discussed this before the podcast is the BMW after the initial contact seems to keep his foot in the throttle mm. and send the Corvette around. And it was just really unsportsmanly driving. He was definitely not wanting to back out, was he? No. and to, Once you've made that initial contact, that's the point where you think, oh shit, and you back out of it. Mm. Not in this case. Not. not in this case. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, it kind of put a sour taste on the end of the race, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I feel sorry in a certain degree to the for the WeatherTech team, because they did... Them being on the podium with these two works teams would have been a headline in itself. And, I mean, hmm. they were in the right place to capitalise. They certainly deserve where that, their win, but not under that circumstance. Yeah, it's overshadowed. Because the thing is... When the BMW hit the Corvette, the Porsche was close enough that it had to take avoiding action of the incident. It's not like it was half a lap down. It was on their bumpers. Mm. So it was shaping up to be a great close finish. And yeah, team BMW ruined it. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> Which <laughs> is the second time they've done that in IMSA this year. Because <clears throat> the same BMW punted oh. the WeatherTech car on the opening lap of the Daytona 24. Mm. Which, um... It, you're quite right. There's only, what, seven teams permanently signed up for a GTLM this year. It's really not what you should be doing if you're trying to encourage more people to fill out the field. It just looks petty. It's that's, just... that's still more than GTE at the moment. Yeah, true. There is that. But I mean, for God's sake, it's an endurance race at the end of the day. It's not sprint racing. It's not a half-hour blast to the finish. This isn't GP2. Yeah, and I appreciate um, it was close to the end and they were obviously close on track but that's still you don't pull moves like that in an endurance race it's not who was the driver um in the bmw at the time connor de filippi uh, and it wasn't him that punted the weather tech car it was i think I can't remember. It was one of the drivers that drove in the DTM that punted the WeatherTech car at Daytona. Augusto Farfus. Was it? Right, okay. So that was the oh, other BMW. Or was it Timo Glock? It's also showing him as an entry. I, I, I need to go and look at the video again and yeah, see what the I, commentator says. I can't remember, but I know it was a BMW that punted them. So yeah, they've they've had a rough run of it. Sebring, does, Sebring does seem to give sort of spectacular incidents. I still remember, like, the last lap, last pass uh, years ago between Ferrari and Porsche, like in the dead of night at Sebring, which ran mm. around the final corners. That, that was great. But... Sebring is, for, uh, with the greatest respect to the venue, is horrendously outdated. Well, because, yeah, I mean, it's it's surfaced, it, yeah, it's airfield from concrete slabs that were built back in the 1940s. The, the place is horrendously bumpy. The cars don't go well around there. It really does force unforced errors. Uh, for drivers now. But in a uh, way, I think it is a great endurance race because of that. Exactly. Because it 
it tests the drivers in the cars to their limits. It's like the exact reason why there isn't a Sebring 24 hours. It's because everything would break at 13 yeah, hours because it's been <laughs> shaken to bits. Exactly. And for me, actually, that, that is one of the reasons why I do enjoy the track because whilst uh, I'm sure all drivers would complain of just how bumpy it is and it's just so outdated, that actually is a challenge that you don't see on tracks anymore because they're all super smooth yeah, huge yeah, bits of tarmac runoff yeah exactly um, I loved the British Grand Prix in 2010 because Abbey Corner had a huge bump in it right on the apex so your choice was go off apex or commit to the apex and try and keep the thing pointed straight for the whole of it but of course drivers think that's a bad thing so they went and smoothed us out mm. um, although Sebring have opened up their um runoff areas even more because they can do that because they're an airfield i'm glad actually that they haven't uh modified or smoothened the surface because that would i think ruin its, it's challenge it's and make it a very very boring yeah make it a very boring yeah. circuit otherwise. i think to be honest the most i think they do is if it got horrific they probably shave the top of some of the worst bumps off it. That's the most I can see them doing to the track. Mm. They're not going to ruin what it is. No, I mean, at the end of the day, bumps rather than resurface. It is an airfield. At the end of the day, it still would serve a purpose for that. Mm, very true. Yeah, we also, to be honest, it was through and through quite a close race because we had um, GT Daytona as well. The top three cars were all on the same lap and fighting out at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. And we had the same sort of thing in LMP3. What? This yeah. Last, yeah. Sort of closing point on this topic. Why are the LMP3s so slow? I mean, then they're not. But why are they behind GTLMs? Because fuel, fuel loads. No, they, they were. Fuel GTLM? There's a couple of factors I'd say there. One, they weren't designed. So they were designed to be an introductory class and they were designed to be pitched, I think, at a similar kind of level of speed and cost to a GT3 car. Right. Mm-hmm. It was designed to be, right, instead of running GT3, if you want to race prototypes, why don't you come race an LMP3? Well, it's what the, it's what the, the other, Formula Le Mans used to be. Yeah. The other factor in this is... So GTLM in IMSA is essentially GT Pro that we have in the WEC in the European Le Mans series. Mm-hmm. It's mm. works drivers in works cars. Okay. Who here has heard of 47 motorsports or seen Creech motorsports? I've heard of some of the drivers in P3, to be fair. But yeah, what I mean is it's you've heard of probably one of the drivers in each of the cars and you've not heard of the teams they're privateers yeah looking at it it is literally i've heard of one driver from each car well i've heard of riley motorsports and that's about it yeah Yeah. this is what i mean so it's so they're slightly slower because i think they're slightly less powerful Mm -hmm. they're designed to be an introductory class so that's why they are the speed they are Mm. And the other reason they're slower than GTLMs, I think, is partly due to their drivers. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. Because they're an entry-level class. They've got silver and bronze and the occasional... I don't, actually, I don't even know if they're allowed gold-rated drivers. Whereas in GT Pro, GTLM, you've got platinums and golds in the car. You've got Garcia, you've got Alexander Sims, uh, you've got Farfus, uh, 
Timo Glock. So there, you've got like XF1 drives and stuff like that in there. An LMP3, with the exception of got, Jerome Bleakmolen, I don't recognise anyone Spencer else. Spencer Pickett, Oli Asker, in car drivers. Yeah, I was going to say they both race in IndyCar, so they're reasonably good drivers. But their teammates, like we just said, are. I've no idea. Fair enough. They don't even have Wikipedia Next pages. Topic. <laughs> oh, you say they're good uh, IndyCar drivers. I mean, uh, Spencer Pickett's not uh, been on the podium either, so they're in the field. But I, uh, I call good. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, no. But you've got to be fairly good to be in IndyCar, haven't you? Well, or in the same or, way, you've got to be, be fairly good to be in F2. IndyCar yeah. does have a lot of pay drivers, though, remember, because uh, otherwise we're opening up a can of worms yeah, there and seeing that uh, Taki Inui uh, should have uh, been in one of the LMP1 cars in the 90s. Let's not go there. Next topic. Um, <coughs> let's talk, let's go to Japan. Should Great. we stay in America? No, let's oh, go okay. to Japan. What's been oh, happening in so Japan? Oh, Actually, just before just, just before we go to Japan, can I just say an honourable congratulations to Sebastian Prio, my uh, rival Islander racer, uh, for actually winning in his Porsche in one of the support series in uh, the Sebring 12. He's uh, doing the Porsche Carrera Cup North American Series this year, and uh, yeah, he won the, the event Andy, in uh, Sebring. Sandy Prio's son, isn't he? Correct, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not talk about that for a topic? We don't have to do international. Oh no! I, I've got literally nothing else to say because the racings were god boring. It's just I just <laughs> want to say congrats to Seb because he's from uh, the other island in the Channel Islands. Fair enough. <laughs> what on him? Japan. Over to see the uh, Super GT. Yes. Not the YouTuber. Not the YouTuber. No. No. <laughs> no so Super GT's um, had its. I think it's had its first official testing session. There has been private testing hosted by um, specific manufacturers. So if you ran a Toyota, you could join the Toyota, regardless of whether it was a GT300 or a GT500, could join Toyota's test session. But this time, is the, this is the official stuff. Um, Super GT test session. Um, I thought it was based at Fuji. It's not. It's at Okayama. Is that a neutral ground? Uh, it is, actually. Yeah, funny enough. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it looks quite competitive. In the first day of testing, the Nissans were the lead team. Oh, there's some G, uh, NX, NSXs were the lead team or the lead cars. Um, but in the second session, or, to, or yesterday, um, the Toyotas are just as strong. So it's kind of... You, you don't really know what's going on. Just like with an F1 test session, you don't quite know what's going on. You don't know what fuel loads they're running and what, um, you know, and how, and how they're running the cars. But it, it, it's interesting that the same people um, come to the top. So, for instance, um, Yamamoto um, in his NSX is at the top. You've got Kovalainen in his in his Toyotas at the top. Um, Hirakawa, who finished second last year. He's there. Bersie Breadstick. Oh, there abouts. Uh, no. Um, Baguette is in GT300. Oh, no, mind then. I think. I yeah, I'm sure Baguette's in the... No, sorry, he's, no, he's, 500, in, no, he's in the... No, he's in the 500. He's in the Nissan. Uh, yeah, no, there isn't, doesn't appear to be any indication that the Nissan's a quicker. But as we all suspect in GT300, guess what's top? The Green Brave. Is the Green Brave. Yay! Probably the best car in the world. In our opinion. The best race car in the world. Anyway. 
Um, I am very impressed. I'm looking at the entry list just now. They have 13 teams signed up for the GT500 class and 26 teams signed up for GT300. This is going to be a huge field this year. Oh, wait until we talk about Super Tycoon. That's even worse. (laughs) It is always a big grid, though. Even last year, where it was a bit difficult to do the races, it was still a big grid. Oh, yeah, Um, it's still massive. And then this year, you've got Subaru's back with a new BRZ. Yeah. Um, You've got more Supras in the GT300 class. We mean more than one. Um, Well, there's more than one. Uh, And... The Lotus is still around. Yeah. So yeah, even like yeah. the other cars. Yeah, so the Lotus. So is the Prius. Is, yeah. Lotus. So, I mean, there's Toyota like, Prius in a GT race. Amazing. Yeah, but, the, <laughs> yeah, but do you want to know what it's got? It's got a lamp. It's got a Lexus V8 in the front, or in the middle, I or wherever. Thought it was in the back. Lexus the back. Right. I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's not where it should be. Put it that way, and it's not the engine. No. So I think like get away with it based on some interesting technicalities in the Super GT rules. Based, this is only my understanding, but one, I think the Super GT basically allows for any engine from within a manufacturer's range. So, because it's a Toyota, you're allowed to put any Toyota engine in it, and that includes sub-brands such as Lexus. And I think the reason it's allowed to be mid-engined is I think that's where Something like the battery pack or the motor for its hybrid system is located. It still runs a hybrid system. Oh, yeah, it still runs a hybrid system. What I mean is, I think that's the justification for how they get away with making it a mid engine car. Because part of the road going hybrid system is there, they claim that's That's part of the powertrain location. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good idea. And so they can put a V8 there. That's so Japanese. So Super GT in particular, isn't it? It, It's basically because the Super GT rules and the JGTC rules before them, I think, especially before they went to the Class 1 format, yeah, noted, Cree. (laughs) Their rules are about as watertight as a sieve. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I think that's fair to say, is it not, Cree? I I think you're absolutely right, and that's what made Super GT so fantastic, and then, I'm not going to talk about it, I've talked about it too much, and then a certain German bloke with his stupid idea came in and ruined it all, but, you know, it just... Austrian. Sorry, Austrian. Apologies to Germans. It's always the Austrians who ruin Germany's reputation, history has suggested. Um, But, yeah. So, Chris, have Uh, have we got any... uh... Any favourites for this year's series? I mean, obviously, I, Lotus, know, you know, I said it to you before, you know, the Lotus of Orin is last year of production. Wouldn't it be nice? No, it's not going to win. I'm sorry. It might win a race yeah, at that, the beginning of the season. That'd be enough. That'd be enough for me. Well, the thing is, actually, it's quite... This is one of the things I find interesting with Super GT when you look at, like, championship results. Because of, I think, combination of their balance of performance... Um, strategy and just how close the championship is it's hmm. not unusual for the winning car to have only won one race during the season yeah um, no, you're just, right. and, it's I consistency mean, he was at jensen button a couple of years ago he didn't yeah. actually win that many but they won the championship didn't they because they were just hmm. always there or thereabouts throughout the whole year well i think last year there was seven way title fight in the last race well, yeah, yeah. And it, the, the, the greatest thing about the balance of performance system is if you're really good at the beginning of the season, so you win both the first and the second race, you have such a handicap for like the next three races while your other competitors slowly increase their balance of performance mm-hmm. that you could win the first two races and then for the next three races, 
You're 10th, 11th, and 12th. Well, that's what yeah, that's up to Greenbrave, wasn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah, because they won the first two races at Fuji, funny enough. Uh, and then, and then, then the last they were nowhere. <laughs> And the last one, and then they were nowhere in between because the balance of performance, because they had such a handicap, it took three races for the other teams to catch up to their handicap. But that's the good thing, isn't it? Because it's so incremental. It's not just like they would slow down the first car or whatever. It every it, by the end of the season, it is so close because of the balance, of the, and they get it so right that it's it makes for a really good race at the end. It's much better calculated and much less gimmicky compared to BTCC, I think. Well, or even the WEC, which just gets it wrong. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes there, there I actually that, don't but... think the BTCC is that bad, personally. But No, it's not too bad, is it? I think it's definitely uh, Super GC it was is the worse. best way of doing it. It was worse years ago. When they first yeah, they started bringing... Perhaps I'm just remembering BTCC from the mid-2000s. Yeah, that's my bad. That's I think bad. in the modern era, it's the past couple of seasons I've seen, it's always been like three or four drivers still in it at the last round mm. of the championship. So Yeah, that's good. Exactly. That's close. We mentioned it yeah. already. Um, something else been happening in Japan land. Super Taikyu. Which yeah, is... So I don't know much about Super Taikyu. No. Because they only Nobody does, to be fair. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody does, but it is something that properly needs highlighting because I think although the first race... The first race wasn't particularly entertaining because it absolutely pissed it down at Mategi. Um, it does seem like a fantastic uh, racing series to get into because it's endurance racing. Um, but there is... well, it's the second tier behind Super GT, and I think uh... if I can someone link me up to this, please. I, I can't actually find out what you're talking about. What I'm finding is it's... a horse called Super Taiku. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So the best—it's not that. Uh, so the best way of thinking of it, Monty, is think mm. of it a bit like brick car. But yeah. car. Okay. How, so how do I even car, spell this? I, I want to look at this. I want to Google this. And then it's T A I K U K Y U. Super Taiku. Ah, there we are. Right. No more racehorses. Okay, I'm going to have a look at this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah. to my knowledge, it's also where. Where you saw things on like Gran Turismo games of Nissan Skyline N1, yep. it's where all those cars came yeah. from. They were Super Taiku oh, cars. So it'd be like a modified Subaru turned into a GT spec car or something oh, good like God. that. But the best yes, bit, no, but this makes perfect sense. The best bit though GT is, Fords. is the lower classes, <clears> like the, right at the back. There is a Honda Fit. Two. There, is a Honda there were two Fit. Honda Fits. Two Honda Fits. No, anyway, in so Europe, it's known as the Honda Jazz. Yep. Yeah, in Europe. I'll explain what it is. So basically, you have seven <laughs> classes. Small, small hatchback, isn't it? It is a small hatchback. <laughs> you have seven <laughs> classes uh, of, of vehicles. You've got the top class, which is STZ, so Super Taikyu Z, which is predominantly GT3 based vehicles. So that's. So it's DTM. I think it's an Aston Martin. It's basically. It's not DTM. Ted Force, uh, <laughs> Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghinis, all that kind exactly, of stuff, yep. right? And then STQ is GT4, so that's your Supras, um, KTM's. KTM. Lotus. No, KTM's not in Super, it's not in, in Q class. This is going to be like Caymans and Lotus Avoras and stuff like that, no? Uh, no, I think it's predominantly Super Supras just because the Supra is the best GT4 <laughs> car in Japan uh, at the moment. Okay. Um, and then you have ST1, which currently has the first. On official on track race of the brand new KTM 
and I can't remember the actual full name, but it's a brand oh, new case GT4 car. Good grief. I'm seeing a lot of pictures for TCR cars here. Is that a class yeah. in itself? So, yeah. So, behind ST1, there is ST2, <clears> which includes TCR. Oh, no. And then ST3 is more like your race spec GT86s. ST4 is your larger capacity track day cars. And then the last class... Under S2000s and stuff. Exactly, and the last car, which I think is the best class, is ST5, which basically has a road-converted MX-5. And do you want to know why I say uh, that? It's because when they do heavy braking, the hazards come on. Yes. <laughs> so it's literally, it's an MX-5 that's been converted to do track racing. So you have, it's like the VLN series, or what was the VLN series for the Nürburgring. You have a quarter-of-a-million-pound GT3 car pounding around Mategi doing whatever the lap time is at Mategi in a GT3, lapping an MX-5. And a Honda Jazz. Cree, Cree, you've just made me want to go over to Japan now and enter into one of these races. I'm just looking through the... I'm looking through the gallery now. This ST5 class is amazing. Someone entered a Mazda Demio. Yeah, a Mazda Demio has been entered into this. This is beautiful. Um, it's <laughs> the one thing that I need to look into is how the classes are defined. But if I had to say, ST5 is defined by engine size. I'm just reading on the rule book now. Um, I can tell you exactly how it's defined. ST5 is 1500 cc or lower. ST4 is for 1501 to 2000 cc. Uh, yeah. uh, so ST4 and ST5 are road production vehicles which can have slight modifications to them. ST3 is 2001 to three and a half liters, but they have to yeah. be two wheel drive. Okay. ST2 is the same engine displacement, but four wheel drive. Okay, so you get like, stuff like, uh, I guess your Lancer Evos and Subarus in ST2. And then, um, I don't know, a Lexus or a Supra and the ST3? Uh, that makes sense. There was an Evo 10 in ST2. Ah, there we go. Right, that would make sense then. ST1 is for anything over three and a half litres. Yeah, um, TCR is apparently its own class this year, according to this. Uh, so there's going to oh, be an ST TCR. Yeah, so there's going to be an ST TCR. The GT4s are STZ and the GT3s are ST. X. I'll send you a link to that now if you want. So I thought it was Z, not X. Either way. I'll, uh, I'll put that in our Discord uh, chat now we just so you guys can read that. The final topic. Yeah, just just one last one last yep. thought. The best, one of the, the greatest things I found was is sponsorship in this series. Hmm. It's very in, healthy looking at these oh, guys. Like, there was the pole position um, interview. So if there, there is a YouTube channel. Um, Super Taikyu, if you search it, you can find it. It has the full race. Um, but they showed at the beginning of the of the YouTube stream, they showed interviews with the, the pole positions for each class, and they showed the ST5 class. So bearing in mind, this is a road legal MX-5, slightly converted to run on a track. And the blokes who were driving them, so I think it was four of them, they were fully kitted up with full race gear, and they had about... 10 and 10 individual sponsors and you're sat there going you're in the slowest class but you have an incredible array of sponsorships that are on your t that's on your car 
You're right. This is brick car. This is brick car all over again. This is actually amazing. I'm just looking at some of the pit stops uh, and stuff like that as well. Yeah, you're you're right. Some of the ST5 teams, they've actually got guys in like their race proof, uh, sorry, fireproof overalls, doing proper tire changes and stuff like that as well. This is amazing. We need to. We need to. It's it's properly well done. We need to move on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Pushing over. Japanese sports car racing. Exactly, we'll do that next time. Um, have we got any, any other topics? F1 testing. Yeah, so we have... Yeah, we're, there's some single-seater racing going on, but we also have the first NASCAR dirt race in about 50 years. So yeah, 30th yeah. of September 1970 So I saw the headline league. for this, but I don't actually know anything about it, so crack on now. So what they've done is Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee... They brought in some trucks, and they put dirt on their track. Right. And they're going to run the NASCAR Cup Series. Is it Monster Energy as the current sponsor? Yeah, Monster Energy Cup. Yeah, uh, I've known about four different sponsors for it, so I just refer to it as the Cup Series. Um, Anyway, so they and all the other classes. So for a couple of years now, they've been running the nascar truck series at eldora speedway yeah which is always quite entertaining but now they're actually going to run the top nascar cup championship on dirt again as i say for the first time in 50 years i don't really understand the point what's why it's i'll be on i'll be totally honest it's kind of a bit of a gimmick but Mm. it does make it interesting because a lot of these well i say a lot of them most Mm. of these drivers will have come up obviously through stock car racing in america most of which starts on dirt Mm -hmm. so they may have started on dirt at some point but probably haven't driven it at least since they were in trucks doing eldora um or even then quite a few of the current cup drivers probably wouldn't have been on the truck grid since they introduced eldora it's only the last few years that they've really gone back to eldora isn't it trucks and the trucks are racing here as well which actually will be quite a good race i think um, yeah, because it's one of those weekends where they bring all the NASCAR championships. Yeah, so you've got the Cup, the Xfinity, and the uh, Truck Series. So, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be quite interesting, and it, it does make it different. I was watching a video, because I don't really know anything about dirt over racing. You probably know a bit more, Al, but it, it was, um, I think it was um, Martin Truex was talking about uh, how the track develops just over the course of, like, 10 laps of how the track will change um and he was saying essentially it will start very grippy which is obviously the opposite of tarmac it will then get quite slick um and then as that's essentially as they move dirt out of the way it will become slipperier and then they'll start laying rubber when they get to the harder dirt underneath they'll start actually laying rubber down onto it and that's obviously a bit more conventional and you get kind of a more stable line, so, so to speak. How much dirt have they put on this track then? Because oh, there's, quite, there's like tons five and or tons. six, yeah, loads. It's not just like they've made the track dirty. It is like a dirt track. Right. <clears throat> but there is actually discussion on this because apparently one of the practice things they were doing over the week, the tarmac was beginning to be exposed in some sections. So they have been adding more dirt in as the week goes on to prevent that from happening. Uh, because it has I. That I Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would um, imagine they'll probably have to top it up between the races. Because I think 
the other thing is a lot of the dirt tracks like Eldora don't have, to my knowledge, a tarmac base underneath them. No, I think... I think there dirt. is precedence for doing this at Bristol, though, but it's the first time they've done it with NASCARs. So, yeah, I if Bristol's I remember right, there's... Yeah, there's been a event at Bristol Motor Speedway. I can't remember the last time it was run, but it's known as Super Dirt Week, and they bring in all this dirt... But it's normally the dirt track oval classes that come to race on it. Yeah. Mm. And I think, by and large, those cars tend to be lighter than a NASCAR. Yes. yes. I mean, to be honest, anything smaller than a moon is lighter than a NASCAR. But... <laughs> yeah, Having so you've that, got... Though, have, you seen, have you seen the average, average lap speeds for the first practice session? I've actually not. What is it? Okay, Alex Bowman was quickest, and his average lap speed was 88 mile an hour. Um, I'm considering the size of Bristol. That's, that's quite that's far. Bristol's only. I think it's a half it, mile. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it, it's really not a big track because the thing is, Bristol's so small that they've got two pit lanes. Yes. Yeah. They have not, the pit. Yeah, because they, they physically can't. Entries. Yeah, they physically can't fit a whole NASCAR pit lane down one of the straights on the track, so they have I to mean, use both uh, of uh, them. Uh, I've also got the lap time here for Alex Bowman, who was quickest in the first practice session. And it's 20.1 seconds. So it's a very short lap, just for context. And, and in that average speed, they're doing nearly 90 mile an hour, which what, I think is pretty impressive. What sort of tyres are they running? They're running the normal Goodyear's, but with they're basically cut. So they're, they're dirt spec. So they're cut slicks. Special dirt spec tyres. Yeah, it's, it looks more like a wet tyre. It's a very, very heavily cut, like square block um, tire, but right. it's it is still the Goodyear tire. They've so just made them especially it's not like for this race. Trophy Andros, which put like studs through them or whatever. No, no, no. no. It's just a normal tire, just a normal tire, just like a heavily, like a wet tire, like you would see. Right. Well, I think it's a similar tread pattern to what you'd see on a conventional dirt oval car. So by yeah, which I, I mean right. like a, a street pattern. stock or a late model. Yeah, it's quite a square pattern. Um, but I think that they've also said that the teams, because apparently this is a thing in normal dirt racing as well, that they cut the blocks at an angle, like they cut the surface of the blocks, so, it's, so like the surface of the tyre will look like a saw blade almost, and that gives it better dig, so you get better grip. And they've said, the Goodyear have said, and, and NASCAR have said that the teams aren't allowed to do that, so that will make Also, they're limiting bit. their grip in essence. Is this yes. a, is this oh, a right proper now. official championship round? This is in yeah. the championship. This is a proper race. Okay. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm yeah, really it's... looking forward to seeing NASCAR drivers turning right. Yeah. It's interesting to see NASCAR yeah. introducing some more variation into this because it's not. I say it's not like they're the only people doing this. So the ARCA series, which is, it sits sort of just below the Cup series and it, not yeah, the Cup series, it, the Truck think of it series, like and. Yeah, it's essentially it's a series. It's changed a little in more recent years, but it was for sort of ex NASCAR Cup cars run by smaller teams, and it's a mix of up and coming young drivers and gentlemen drivers, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that. And for years, they've been running on dirt ovals. Not many, but one or two through the season. I. Oh, it's somewhere county fairgrounds, but I can't remember what state it's in <laughs> that Arca used to run on. 
A friend of mine's racing in ARCA this year, actually, in part the oh. part series. Uh, he did Euro NASCAR last year, and now he's doing ARCA series this year. Mm. Alex Sedgwick. Cool. Alex um, Sedgwick? Yeah. yeah. Say, say that bit again, sorry. Alex Sedgwick. He's raised, well, he's racing part series in, in the ARCA. Um, and then we did Daytona. And yeah, did Euro NASCAR the last couple of years. Oh, nice. The, this would be. He's from. As in the British driver, Alex Sedgwick. Uh, yeah, British French. But yeah. Ah. I've I've just been I've just finished his racing series on iRacing, uh, oh. Vertex uh, Stock Car Championship. So uh, I was I thinking I, I I know the name, but I never realised that was him. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So I've just heard you say his name, and I've had my light bulb moment there. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, he's done a few races in the Right House Pro Kart series. Nice. So uh, thinking of the Bristol race, does anyone, Sam, you might know this because I haven't looked at their schedule. Have they got any of the conventional dirt classes on the schedule for the week no so they don't unfortunately okay. they've only got the three main nascar but the, the actual format of the weekend is quite heavily changed as well so rather than having a qualifying session and then the race they have four qualification races which are 15 laps there's no nascar overtime um 15 laps 15 laps so which is seven not minutes that's what I mean. It's going to be really, really short. That's why there's four of them. But that, in that... sounds very much like local level dirt track. Um... Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like but also, what they get, they also get passing points in those. So they get points based on where they finish. So if you win, obviously you get, say, for example, ten points. But if you started in tenth place and you managed to win, you also get a point for every car that you overtook. Right. Hmm. So you end up with 20 points. Or, alternatively, if you start right down in 39th, I don't know how far down these passing points are going to go, but if you started in 39th, like Cody Ware in uh, in uh, this in FP1, if he finishes 20th, he still gets 20 points for passing people. Because it's such a short race that actually it probably won't be that many because, like we said, the laps is... Like, <laughs> 20 seconds so it's going to be really short that's going to encourage a lot of barging yeah, yeah it's, it's going, to, going to encourage people to go for every gap yeah because it, it might actually be quite interesting point. it will be quite good i'm quite looking forward to it um and then the race itself is quite a long race so tracks like track knowledge as they were saying some of the guys i think um who was it? I think Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr., who didn't actually have a brilliant practice, to be fair. Um, and I think, although I don't particularly like him, I think it was Kyle Larson, have done quite a lot of dirt racing. So they know how to read what the circuit is doing. And they were saying that actually later into the main race, that will come into play. Um, wow. So how, just like, so how long is the main race? Uh... One sec, can double check. I'm guessing so. Like what, two hundred, two fifty miles? Because I think the standard one's about five hundred, isn't? It? No, it's not five hundred. It's four hundred or something. I think the standard Bristol race. Uh, hmm. yeah, I don't, I can't find it. I'll be totally honest, but, but it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's longer than seven minutes. It's, yes, it'll be. Yeah, it's like more like the normal sort of length for NASCAR. 
um, at Bristol. Um, like it will involve pit stops and stuff like that. Fair enough. Um, wow. But yeah, that's yeah, that's um. Mm. And I thought F1 qualifying races were a gimmick. Uh, right. That's going <laughs> to do it for this month for Motorsport March edition. Uh, we're going to have stuff to talk about next week, next month. <laughs> um, yes, we are. Because so, it's the first F1 race this weekend. So uh, we're looking forward to better than that. IndyCar comes back. digressing that. Yes, IndyCar comes back. Maybe. Happy birthday also to David Coulthard. It's your 50th birthday today. He doesn't look oh, a day boy. over 70. Anyway. Day under 70. Over. Under. Whatever. Otherwise, oh, otherwise, you're saying he looks between 50 and 70. If you want it to be a real insult, say he doesn't look a day under 70. So you're guaranteeing he looks over 70. Well, that's going to do it. I can do England, sport. me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Al, Monty, Chris, and Sam for joining me. Uh, we shall see you next time. Take care and goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.